So that is something that as we work through the series, Cornerstone, which we've been doing now for about four weeks. If you're new here, my name is Judah. I'm one of the pastors here at Word of Grace, and it's been exciting to work with this series. It comes out of the biblical concept that God was saying, I'm going to lay a stone, a cornerstone, a special stone that was going to be the, the springboard for what he was going to do in this covenant that he was going to make with us through Jesus Christ. It was going to be something that we were going to orient our lives around. Scripture uses this phrasing of cornerstone in many different ways. And I want to open with this passage of Scripture. Because this is what I'm going to teach on today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. And in Ephesians chapter 2, this is Paul talking about how we are completely new. We are not like the world. We are not just people who are trying to be better people or of more use to our community. We're people who are now a heavenly-minded people. We've been made alive to God. So in Ephesians chapter 2, later on, after he talks about salvation and how the work of God works in you, he says, For through him we both have access, this is Jews and Greeks, people who are separated from God and people who are supposedly God's people alone. All of us have access In one spirit to the Father. That is his Holy Spirit. So then you are no longer strangers and exiles. Or aliens. Some of us, what does your Bible say? Right? Strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens and saints. Together with the saints and members of the household of God. Okay, I want to pause there for a second. The words, the Greek words there for... You are not a stranger or alien. It had to do with, very specifically, people who are always living within the community, but they were not, you're not from here. You can immediately tell you're not from here. There's that aspect. But a far more important aspect, you do not have the rights that we do. You do not have the voting rights. You do not have the decision-making rights. So in in their time... um, because this will help you understand why it's so important that you're not a stranger or an alien, is the word ecclesia was a governmental local body term, which we now have interpreted and translated to be called the church. The word there that is used for the church in, in the Bible is called ecclesia, which was a form of government. It was like the town council. It was where the body assembled, the people in the town assembled together, and they would have like a town hall. But there were only certain people who were allowed to be at a town hall and speak at a town hall. You had to be a member with rights within that town. So if you were to imagine Indiana, there are certain people who don't get to make decisions for our community. But in that time period, it was far more significant That if you were just an outsider, you got to participate in some things and live in the benefits of some things, but you never got to make the decisions on those things. So when God says, you're not just someone who is an outsider, you're someone who's part of the family. Using the family terms and citizenship terms. He's saying you are both. You are citizens of a kingdom and you're members of a household. So now, with that as your context, this is built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being what? The cornerstone. So this family or this state, this country is built on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. In whom the whole structure being joined together. Circle the word joined because it is not come together. Right now what we do is we think, oh yeah, word of grace, we come together on Sundays. No, no, no. We're joined together. We come together on Sundays, but we're joined together. That's a totally different perspective. You don't just get to see me on Sunday. You and I are joined. 
for better or for worse, we're joined. We're joined by a blood bond that is far deeper than just like, oh yeah, I subscribe to this channel. I chose to show up. Mm -mm. So whether you belong to another local church in our community, we have bonds. They might be part of a different denomination even. Which is why I have some of my best friends in this community do not go to our church. And I love that. Why? Because we have a, a bond that is deeper than Sunday attendance. A bond that is deeper than, oh, you're from this part of the country. I'm part of a citizenship, a household, depending on which analogy you're taking, that is completely different. This whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together. Being built what? Together. Not built as an individual. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. So now, using the citizenship term, when we ecclesia together, when we gather the church together, We become a place where the decisions, the purposes of God, the thoughts of God are enacted. Take the household analogy. When you are in a home and you're a member, you're joined together in this home, the dishwasher is not my chore. I ate on those dishes. These are my dishes. This is my dishwasher. It's not, I did the dishwasher on Tuesday. Do you understand the context? It's not, oh, that's his thing. That's her thing. He, oh, yeah, I, I come and I will eat the food. And on Wednesdays and Fridays, I will clean the table. I don't do laundry. Well, good luck. With, my, with some of my children... I'm now at a stage where we look at it and we're like, I need underpants. I need clothes. Well, where? I don't know. Where are your clothes? I don't have any, like, fresh clothes. It's like, well, go make them fresh. <laughs> you, taking off your clothes in your bedroom is no longer a suitable response. Because you're part of the household. So there are certain things that you will grow in. Sure, we as parents are not going to send our kids out naked, so we will find a way to make sure that you've got something. But with working through that, you're not a three-year-old who has to have laundry taken, put in a hamper, taken to the laundry room, put in the... So very soon, some of them don't realize it, we're not going to do any of your laundry. If it's not in a hamper and you haven't taken it down to put it in the washer, it's not getting washed. Even if you're living in my home. That's later on in the process. So in the household of God, you, you will find certain things that bug you. Why? Because you don't have fresh underpants. Maybe it's time for you to start doing some laundry. And God doesn't do it in a shaming way. But He puts you alongside people who are, who are, who are concerned for your well-being, concerned about pleasing God, and seeing that, hey, this is a team thing. We do this together. You're not doing it alone. You will never be left to do this by yourself. If that is one thing that we can commit ourselves to as a church family, this little part of God's body of saying, you know what? We're going to make it our endeavor that no one has to do life alone. And I'm not talking about whether you go to life groups. I'm not talking about whether you join Bible studies. I'm talking about life. You don't do life alone. Because we are all trained to say, not my problem, or on the other end, it's not their problem. It's just my thing. I'm responsible for this, so I just got to get, get it done. 
that is not what Scripture tells us. We are joined together, whether we attend together on Sunday or not. We're joined together. So there are some people right now from our church fellowship who are either unwell, have things going on in their lives, big issues, some small issues, who aren't struggling with things. Great, you made it here on Sunday. Who, who checks on them? Oh, that's, that's why we got a pastor. Sorry, I'm not doing that for you. It's time for you to clean the hamper. It's time for you to go look if there are dishes in the sink. Can we organize this that we get someone to do the cleaning for us? Sure. But that's not how a house operates. That's not how a family operates. If I was getting a cleaner for my house and getting someone to pay all my bills for me, today's society is becoming far more comfortable with subletting things that I'm accountable for. Is it good to have help once in a while from strangers who you can pay and you'd be like, hey, can you just take care of this for me? Absolutely. But that's not the norm. The norm is you learn how to change your tires eventually. The norm is you know what's in your car. You know where your money is going. You don't let the Mint app do it for you. And I'm not saying that to be critical. I'm saying, do you see the awareness of where our world system is bringing us to a place where we do not know how to make decisions that are contributing towards growth? Learning skills to read, to practice certain things, these are all deeply embedded in who we are. And God wants to raise us all in maturity. Are you going to be great at everything? No. That's why you got friends. That's why you go to classes. That's why you get trained in different things. Are you going to be amazing at everything? No. But do you see this growth context? The context for growth needs to be there. Otherwise, we will all just show up. We will hear a preacher preach a message and we'll be like, yep, that's the thing. I'm glad that you're, ben you're benefiting from a message. That's great. But what's the message you've been getting? What have you been discovering with God for yourself? Do, do you see what I'm getting after? These are very small things, but they're very icky things. Because I would much rather let the pastor guy do that. Tell me what I should be reading. You're not going to have me always. You're not going to have your church always. Monday's coming. What happens at 3.30 p.m. on a Monday? I don't know. I'm sure not there. Right? So this is where our faith needs to come down to the nitty-gritties of... Ah, I need something that works throughout 24-7. I need something that's working in me. And if I'm in financial crisis, are there people in the body of Christ I know who are great with finances? Hey, so I was thinking, can you help me with this? I've been, I'm not talking about just deep Bible questions. I'm talking about life questions. I don't know how to do this. Ask somebody, oh, I'm struggling in my marriage and I need help. Call somebody that you admire. Call someone that you think is, they don't have to go to our church. But if you know that they're of the household of God, you are joined by something that is thicker than church membership. Do you see what I'm getting after? Now you suddenly find that growing as the body of Christ, oh, it's, it's something we do together. And there are certain things Word of Grace is not great at. I will give you that straight out the gate. We're not good at certain things. But guess what? There are other churches in this town that are great at those things. 
So I make every effort through the week, this is for me personally, to go find these people, spend time with them, and get behind what God's doing through them. Because it might not be something that has a word of grace stamp on it. But it will be something that pleases my heavenly father. So I give encouragement. I give sustenance to give to them to say, yeah, keep going. You are following the things of God. And you guys in your church seem to be doing it. Not because it's your church, my church. But because we as the church are doing things. And it happens to be from this part of the body of Christ. So when you come back home into our little tiny church context, Ephesians chapter 2 needs to be something that's living and breathing in us. That the context for these things are no longer, oh well, our church does this better and we have this mission program and that. I don't really care. The issue is, are we pleasing our Heavenly Father in what we do? Because in Him we are being built, built together into a dwelling place for God. This is where God lives. When people from our community see us, and when two or three of us are in the same room, it happens a lot. If, you, if you're from our church, it happens a lot at the paper garden. We have more church meetings at the paper garden than here. We have more church meetings at Create and Curate than here. We have way more church meetings at the common place then here. Why? Because where two or three of us are gathered together in His name, suddenly we start to find that is a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. Not by chance. Deliberately so. But are we aware of that deliberateness that God says, these are my people. I will come by my Spirit and I'll be waiting for their welcome. They expect me to show up, don't they? Or do we? Were we just more concerned about having coffee? Or reading whatever book we came to read? Or shooting the breeze with some friends? All good things. But we forget that by His Spirit, He says, I have commanded my blessing. I have sent my Spirit specifically when this bunch, whenever they get together... Things can happen. So suddenly we're no longer just, oh, oh, you go to my church. Oh, you go to my church. Oh, yeah, hey, how you doing? Suddenly we become a place where we're like, the kingdom of God is here. And I don't, I'm not sitting there saying, great, let's have church meeting. Let's, no, this is church meeting. To be people who are walking with God, and then if God gives us things to do, we're willing. If it's sitting with somebody who's having a rough week, who is not connected to God, I'm prepared to do that. If it's giving a word of correction to a brother or a sister through the week, a word of encouragement to sustain them, whatever it is, I'm prepared to do it, not because this is my thing. I go around coffee shops and look for things to do. No. It just is an overflow of knowing him. Because we're joined together. Okay, I don't want to labor that point. Ephesians chapter 4. How does this work in the gathered church? In the ecclesia of God? In the town council where God brings us together to little locations? We're like little outposts of God's kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip all of these people. Who are the people? Who are the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists called to equip? Put your hand on your chest and say, That's me. Equip me. And if I was sitting down here and somebody else was being used, I'd put my hand on my chest and I would say, yeah, that's me. It might be that I'm sitting here and Molly is the person whom the gift of God is operating through. I happen to be her pastor. But in this context, 
She's here to equip me. It is for my good that he placed her in my life. He placed him in my life. I always have her in my life. But am I actively leaning into the equipping of God that he places around me? I'm like, ah, she's just my wife. Ah, she's just my friend. Ah, he's just... And you always wait for that guy whose job it is to do the speaking part. You're sitting right next to the equipping of God. But specifically in the church, just so that it's not just mishmash, he says, I've appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Who does the ministry? The saints do. Newsflash. It's not the pastor. To equip the saints for the work of ministry so that what? The body of Christ might be built up. We stop having laundry hamper problems. We stop having it's not my day for dishes problems. Because as we grow as a family, we say, hey, take your dish, put it in the dishwasher. You can't tell me what to do. I just attend here on Sundays. Well, this area of your life, you're not putting away the dishes. Do you do that on day one? No. But as you live in relationship with each other, there comes a point where you're like, hey, watch me do my dishes. This could be an aspect of prayer. Oh, I'm so, oh, my week sucks. I don't know. I don't, I want any, I don't know why I'm even doing this. Ah. Okay, I was just like that. That's dirty dishes, number one. Let me show you how we take this to the Lord. Lord, we come to you with the stresses of our week. We come to you with this job issue, with this family struggle that we're having. Let's put the dishes in together. Do you see how this illustration works? It's not in the context of you saying, you don't even know how to do that. Anyone who's had an older sibling knows what that feeling is like. You don't even know how to do that. The number of times I hear that in my house, I'm like, oh boy, you don't even know how to do that. I'm like, like what, why can't you just help? This is your job. This is why you get to be the older one. So in the body of Christ, we get to be the older ones sometimes. But that doesn't become our thing. Don't make it your stick where you're like, I walk through the church and I find people who got issues with this. And I'm going to help them. Don't. <laughs> Don't. The moment you think something is your thing, it most likely isn't. Because we have a God who has a varied grace. And He's raising all of us up in different contexts. My older daughter is very concerned that I spend way more time snuggling my four-year-old. Not at the same rate that I snuggled her when she was four. I can see why that would be like a little bit like, you jipping me or something? But... In the context of personal need, I love you entirely. But the way you need to be developed is slightly different from the way she needs to be. And we start to find in the body of Christ, God is very aware of where each of us are. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, well, this church, we believe in this, so we're all going to... Uh, when we try and force a revelation of God onto people... Regardless of what it is, it does not yield godly fruit. But make no mistake, God is after the practice as well. But how we do it is in submission to the Holy Spirit. We say, Christ is our cornerstone. We build on that foundation. 
How do you want me to be more Christ-like? And I'm not going to do this in my flesh, where I'm trying to make it work. So those of us who God has called to the work of equipping, we make every effort to see Christ is formed in you. So that through your week, you become a good joint that supplies to the other joints and to the other tissue what that body part of the body needs. Because we're not the be-all, end-all. You're here for a couple hours. Your family's got to live with you. Right? What do they get to see? All the gifts of God need to function at home. Circle that, write that down. Whatever it is, all the gifts of God have to function at home. Because a lot of the time, whenever I see passages of Scripture like this, we often think of the body of Christ as this. We forget. We take a whole bunch of them with us back home. Church meetings are happening on the regular in my home. Do I see her as a sister of Christ? Sister in Christ who, who God has given to me as a treasure who happens to be my wife in this context. But in Christ, all things have been given to her too. She's an inheritor of the grace of God with me. So the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ is something she has. As a husband in my home, I would do well to say, babe, what, like, what are the things of God that you are seeing? So as we make decisions, we're not making decisions on the sole basis of my human intellect, but we're saying we have the grace of God here. There are things my kids have a grace for. They perceive certain things in the spirit that I totally miss sometimes because I'm in dad mode. And I would do well to receive the gift of God in my home. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, For to each is given. Circle that word, each. Are you an each? Or are you a special anointed called person? What do you feel called to? I don't care what you feel called to. You're an each first. And there is a common that needs to be gooded. What is the common good that he is using you for in your context? To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. And the, the reason why I'm kind of like slowing down the pace at which I'm going on this is because we don't expect the Spirit of God to be there with us when we do what we do. We just don't expect it. We just think, I'm just going to work. I'm doing work. Or I'm just cooking. Or I'm just helping the kids do whatever. We get into our mode and we forget that it's on the cornerstone of Christ being the foundation. My life and all of my breathing and all of my time on this earth is based on the foundation that is Christ. But I live my life on the foundation that is my week, my job, my family, my whatever it is. I build it on those foundations and say, well, this is just my thing. And then we try and invite God into that. And we say, God, now build this. Establish this. Help my kid have better bedtime. Help my family like this kind of food. Or hope my finances work out this way. Get rid of this boss for me. We try and invite him in that way. We try and force God into that situation. Rather than saying, I submit all of my life to you. I want to build as you build in me. So the things, the building blocks that we will discover as we go along, start to become things of the Spirit, not things of the flesh. So as we teach over these next few weeks and months, you start to find that you're building with things that are God-centered. Not, I just think it's a good practice. 
Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. We finished verse 12. It was for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood or adulthood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You and I have been given Jesus to be in us entirely. Now that's a slightly weird concept because it's hard to to grasp. How can Jesus be in me and I be in Jesus? We all together are the body of Christ with Christ as the head. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Imagine a body where the thinking and the central part of who the person is, is the head, we being the body. So he uses that analogy right through this book. So if Christ is the head and we are the body, he says, quite integrally, you are part of one another. But it all comes, our guidance comes from Christ who is the head. And, he, and so he's using this context to say, I want us to all grow up together where we start to find that we're in sync with this head. We're not just off doing our thing. And that's when we have achieved manhood like or adulthood, where we're fully functioning. We're not just toddling around, where my legs don't know how to do this properly. I'm trying to grab something and I never get at it. I know fine motor skills are there. Think about that in the context of development. So when you grow into maturity as the church of Jesus Christ, we're all doing our little part. We're all doing the things that God has given us to do. And why does he do this? He wants us to be filled with the fullness of Christ, not just so that we get to show off at how good we are. It's just that so that when people look at the church of Jesus, they say, we see Jesus. That is the point that you are seen as Jesus. Wherever we go, and this is one of the, the biggest things that grieves me about our time period, is that the church of Jesus Christ is known for not looking like Jesus. And then we're led to the error of what the world thinks Jesus should look like. And then the church tries to bend over backwards. Want to see me do some somersaults? I will do somersaults for you so that I look like the Jesus you want. No. That's not what we were called to. But when we are in Christ, and that word in Christ is a very deep thing, you suddenly find my identity, my definition for things, the, what I call true and what I call false, all come from the foundation that is Jesus and nothing else. It does not come from my manhood. It does not come from my womanhood or momhood or whatever it is that we're used to defining as, well, we get to, we, I'm an authority on this. You're an authority on nothing. Gotta leave that alone. 1 Corinthians. Actually, no, let's, let's stay in Ephesians. Why does he want us to have the fullness of God? So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. Do you see how that can happen? When we are not the body of Christ, when we are not joined in accountability, and joined in mutual encouragement and building up, people are islands. Saying, well, God showed me this. Excuse me, what? He showed you what? Nah. Nah. That's not God. How would you know? Because you're an island. You attend church, but you're an island. But when you build, the body is being built up together, we might not look pretty. We might look a bit, hmm, this looks a bit weird, but you're being built together. And the more we get built together, we start to look like a functioning human. 
And his point is that you're not tossed around like little kids are. They believe what they need. Whatever is told, they take it implicitly sometimes. I don't want you tossed around by every wind of doctrine. I don't want you to try and be the Jesus that other people think they need to see. What is Jesus like? Find out in his word. How do you find out? Get close to people who have Jesus. Get close to the Jesus people. Get into his word. And then you suddenly find that you're not drawn off by different things. It says, you're not drawn or carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him that is the head, which is Christ. Does it, do you see that illustration come full circle? It comes to the point where you start to find, I don't have to put these big walls up of if they see what's really going on in my life, I either look weird to them or I'm, I'm not going to be pleasing enough to God. You are part of the family foundation because you are in Christ. You are not in Christ because you're part of the family. Let's make sure that that's the right way around. We have a lot of the church today where we say to people, and I understand the context we're trying to draw. We want to be inviting. But you do not belong here if you do not belong to Christ. When you belong to Christ, which, and I'm, again, that is the place where I would encourage Christians not to get super judgy. Because there are people who have responded to the work of Jesus and don't know much. They are living a life that they have seen fit. It's because of a lack of family coming around them. They're an island. Such people need to be in the church family. Surrounded by people who can show them the better way. Speaking the truth in love. But all of this is built on the heels of what we've been doing in this series, which is the heart of a disciple primarily is saying, how do I know God? Not how do I make God like me by doing things. Discipleship is always on the heels of knowing Him. The more I know about who God is and how His home operates, I learn to put the dishes away. I learn to go take my laundry down. I start to learn the way the home operates. Not because I'm lazy. To, so do you, when someone walks into the church and they look in shambles in one area of their life, it is easy to judge them as a lazy person or they just don't follow Jesus. Do you know that they might have grown up in a context that never taught them to take their dish to the sink? Spiritually speaking. And you are sitting here judging them for that because you got up from the table and went straight and put your dish in there. That is where the body of Christ gets all warped. We start to look at each other and say, well, you've been at the church three weeks and I, that, that guy, he doesn't do this, he doesn't. So how are you helping? You're becoming that older sibling who says, well, you don't even know how to do that. And you become that person who is just so, I don't want to be around that. The church should be a place where people say, I love to be around these people because they challenge me. But they encourage, they're my best cheerleaders when I get after the things of God. So when I'm following after God, I have people like literally lift me into those things. I don't feel like someone's like, it's you again. May we never be a community of people who always feel like if they see this, they will immediately judge me. If I share this, they will immediately blackball me. So every... 
person. So when we grow into the head that is Jesus Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint by which it, it, it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you see God's intent here? His intent was not that we would be like the flashiest looking church or the best looking people on the planet. He wants us to be functioning together. So he's put us alongside each other. He's given us to each other for a reason. You're not just here by accident. I'm not in your life by accident. So if you ever see me call you up during the week, or if I bump into you in the week and I check in on you, it's not the pastor in me that's doing that. I can speak for myself at least when I'm saying that. I don't know what your history is with church, but when we check in on each other, it's not us trying to get details. Let me get the scoop. It is out of finding how can we build each other up in love so that we chase after the things of God. There are times when I will just randomly be on a conversation with someone in another part of the world who is a believer in Jesus. And I am so built up. There are like close friends of ours who I've not seen for years. And they will call me and they say, we were praying for you and this is what God gave us for you. Man, that God sees me as part of something that I can so easily miss. So this is where my, the focus of my message is. That all of the following that you're going to do in Jesus, this is going to be a faith foundation. It is always going to be something done in community. It will never, never, ever, ever be done alone. The disciplines of isolation or praying in quiet, or taking some time away, are all temporary. Those are meant for you to quieten down so God can speak certain things to you. Those are things that you will learn as you grow. Just like how if you are an adult, there are times where you will just go take a shower. And sometimes if you're a mom or a dad, you know that that is maybe the only time you will never have someone saying something to you. And that's okay. But it's temporary. God has not called you to live in the shower. And if you're someone who has afforded your singleness and the ability to have solace wherever you go, don't lean into that as your thing. Solace is a temporary thing to get to that place where you hear the things of God for yourself and then reconnect. You don't have to be the chatty person. But God has placed giftings and things in other people around you that you vitally need, not tangentially. You're not going to get everything you need by reading your Bible by yourself. When I read something in the Bible, and I, there are things that I'm right now working through in the Word of God, which I have seen, and I have brought certain people into my life to, to share with, and when I share, they challenge some of that and say, I don't see that. How are you arriving at that? Well, God gave it to me. Well, maybe you're wrong. Is that a possibility? Oh, that I could be corrected? That I could be challenged? Not in a demeaning way, but as brother, do you see that that is not what this word is saying? Oh, I'm warned. I'm, I'm helped. I'm corrected. Because God has given the gift of understanding and teaching and equipping to various people. The fact that I function as a teacher in this church does not mean I'm right all the time. So, when we go into the Word of God, and when, like say for instance, you're listening to this message, you're not listening for junk. A lot of the church culture that we have right now is we're looking 
to pin something on the pastor or whoever the minister was and say, well, you didn't say this and you didn't write say that correctly. Or The issue is, 1 Thessalonians tells us, test everything. And what is the next word? Hold to what is? So what are you holding on to? When you come into the body of Christ, and there will be someone who will kind of give you a slightly sideways look. They might get a bit preachy on you. But they have the word of life. I don't prefer the way this guy delivers his stuff. For something that could have taken me 30 seconds, he speaks for like five minutes. Or they always like pat me on the shoulder in this awkward way and then I'm... Like whatever, I'm just giving you like random things. My wife, when she has the word of the Lord for me, it'll usually be at the most random time at like 11.30, 12 in the night. And I'm like, I'm just trying to sleep over here, okay? But, but to receive it as, as such, this is not my wife or that person. Like delivery systems can be flawed. But the life of God is vitally important for me. So I receive it. I would do well to receive it. I might not be great in the moment. There are times where so there will be something that my wife will share with me. And I'm like, uh, you know, and I'll just turn over or whatever. And God will wake me up at two or three saying, that was, that was for you. <laughs> and you totally blew past it. Are we willing to let the Lord work those things in us and deliberately say, Lord, show me when I'm being ignorant. I can be totally ignorant to the things of God. So in closing, I want to just leave you with this. I want to pray over you. We, we're not uh, typically, we're not a liturgical church in that sense. But these are good practices that the church has had through the ages. And I want to read scripture to you. But before I pray for you, I want to invite you to be imitators of God. When you imitate God, this is in Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant Offering and sacrifice to God. Let sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthy or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Now, when we read a passage like that, that is immediately a, we seem like, oh, let me leave. This, 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 this is no go. This, ah, yes. This is yay. That is, no. We immediately want to listify the whole thing. We forget the point was walking together in love. So what happens when we see the failings in those areas? Do we immediately lay the hammer down? Or do we provoke one another to good work? Discipleship always grows in the context of community. So when you're at levity, when you're at paper garden, when you're at your job, when you're at the commonplace, when you're at create and curate, wherever you are, I hold to a certain standard of life that makes it awkward for the opposite. So when I see the failings of filthiness, of immorality, of other things, I immediately bring the temperature back to who I belong to. So the temperature in the room is immediately one of, this is not appropriate. Some, some of the people in the church are aware of a time a little while ago where I was caught in a, just an off-the-hand comment, but it was inappropriate language from my mouth. And I the Lord convicted me of this later. He says, you are the older brother in that context. All of them, now, all of them do not participate in that kind of thing. It was awkward for some of them to then carry on with, well, he, he thought it was funny. 
It must have been funny. Do you see how we can be a testing place for a lot of other people's walk in Christ? So I do not let myself go, well, that was just, I just was at work. It was just like work humor. Or this was just like, I wasn't really going to do it. I was just thinking it. Submit yourself to the Lord in all these things. So whatever you count as lost for the sake of Christ, it's worth it. You might lose some friends in the process, but you will make great ones too. Which is why the body of Christ matters. He has joined you to one another for a reason. Don't run away from it. He has joined you to people for a reason. Lean into it. And you will suddenly find the work of the Holy Spirit will teach you as you develop. He will give you the building blocks you need to grow in Him. Let's close in prayer. If you could just bow your head with me. I'm going to read from Colossians and from 1 Thessalonians. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That we would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to our Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Lord, we await your coming. Come, Lord Jesus. We give ourselves fully to your purposes on the earth. In 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 5 and verse 23, I give you this benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I would encourage you to go into the scripture. Use this at home. Pray. Pray these things over your family. These are things God wants to see us built in. Amen. Cool. Love you guys.